sounds like melted butter on corduroy. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> it is. There's, there's a smoothness to that that I wonder if there's like a test out there. Like there's like an app you hold up to certain singers and it's like, that sounds like broken glass in a blender. That sounds like the smooth sounds of melted butter on corduroy. Yeah. It must be Bing. <laughs> I can call the app Bing. Yes. Oh, oh my, God. my God. New venture. That's brilliant yeah. venture. Now we will have to buy the web browser that's already called Bing that mm. no one likes to use, but there'll be... Shit. Yeah. That's How much more, money do you have? Yeah. I, I don't know. Fifty. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to start somewhere. But welcome back to 14 Months Apart. My name is Bob. I am your host. And I'm Jacqueline. I'm your co-host. And Christmas is still in full swing here at the uh, 14 Months Apart offices. We're sorry that uh, this episode is taking a little longer to get to you. I'm not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Jack doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> hey, it's I'm been Christmas. Time. It's Christmas season, yeah. okay? Life. Yeah. I got strep throat. My kid got impetigo. And hoof and mouth. <laughs> Can't leave that out. No, he got impetigo. Okay, he didn't get hoof and mouth. No, but the other one did. The impetigo part weirded me out because I was like, impetigo to me, because no one had it when we were kids. I'm like, isn't that like diphtheria? Do we not get that here? (laughs) (laughs) Haven't we worked on this? No, it's always something communicable. (laughs) But you may hear another voice in this room with us. I was going to say, can we explain the mystery voice? (laughs) Are you hearing this? No, the whole time we won't tell anyone who's here. And they'll be like, who the fuck is that? Is it Jack throwing her voice? Fool your friends. Fun at parties. No, we have a guest with us today to uh, help ring out uh, this year. And what better two movies than to have our mother. Oh, hello. Vicky's with us today. Hello. Introduce yourself. Tell everyone a little about yourself. Well, I am Vicky, and I am mom to these 14-month-apart creatures here in Bicorme. Creatures. (laughs) Yeah, I know. These two trolls. Once you get to know me or their dad, you really get to understand them. And uh, I am absolutely thrilled to be part of this show. And we're very happy to have you here. Yes, thank you very much. So uh, last episode for our Christmas stuff, we talked about uh, Jack's new favorite movie, Die Hard. Yeah. And and you've since watched some sequels. We watched the second one, Logan and I. Okay, thoughts? I loved it. Yet again, my favorite (laughs) scene... possibly was when he ejected from the plane <laughs> yes. and then went up into the camera yeah. <laughs> and uttered some profanity. Like, oh shit, or yeah. something to that extent. Oh. Uttered some profanity? But again, I got the line that I love when he set the the jet on fire with the line of gasoline and he's like, yippee-kay, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, I loved it. I'm going to now watch 
all of them. And he, last night we watched Lethal Weapon, which I thought I was a Lethal Weapon fan. Um, but I think I might actually like Die Hard better. There's something more endearing about someone who's not a horrible person starring in a movie. Well, yes, there there is. Well, Bruce Willis is terrible in his own way, but from far as I know, he's not a monster anti-Semite. Yes. But watching Lethal Weapon last night, because we've been doing our Christmas watching. For like, our, our I think we've almost family. done it all. Pretty much. I think we've hit about everything. Saturation point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lethal Weapon is much more of a traditional film noir meets buddy cop movie. Yeah. Yes. You know, like, he's just a burned out detective on the trail of somebody, and it's ra- it rains in L.A., and it never rains in L.A. Oh. So that's the difference. Whereas Die Hard is more just like, let's do this. Yeah, and it was all in your face. Yeah. I, I mean, Lethal Weapon was good, but not enough that I didn't spend 45 minutes painting my nails through it. That's true. Okay. so uh, uh, Well, that is like a hard condemnation for a film. It was good. Still painting my nails. <laughs> <laughs> Held it right up in front of Mel's face every time he's on screen. Mm. I love the Jewish people. <laughs> You don't. And I'm right. (laughs) Pretty much. So this week we're going to talk about this episode. God. One of these days I'll get this right. We're going to talk about something that couldn't, one movie that couldn't be farther from Die Hard and is probably one of the roots of the Hallmark Christmas movies that we talked about last time with Snowden Christmas because it's just so gooey and bubbly. And then another movie that actually might bear something quite in common to those horrific, violent action Christmas movies of the future. We are going to talk about White Christmas and Black Christmas. Ta-da! Now, this is the original Black Christmas from 1974, not Ooh. the 2000s remake and not the remake that just came out and tanked uh, this month, yes. actually. So, we are a Christmas special family. Yes, yes. Mom, that's that's on you. That is. <laughs> that's <laughs> totally really steeped you in mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I love it. I've always loved Now, Christmas was that movies. something you got from Grandma and Grandpa, or was it just like you were kind of in the heart of the gyre of the Norman Rockwell Christmas in the late 50s, oh. early 60s? Like, it didn't get much more perfect than that. No, and, and that Canadiana Christmas as well that brought both sides of the families, all of those traditions and everything together. But my mom was a huge movie freak. She loved to go to the movies, loved old musicals, except all of those kinds of things. But White Christmas was... It kind of brought it all to center. Number one, Bing. Yeah. Bing is a walking, talking, singing Tom Hawthorne. Yeah. He is my father up, down, and across. We'll try and uh, get some pictures posted of yeah. them to, side by side because wartime grandpa and Bing Crosby in the 40s, you'd swear they're the same person. Yeah. Oh, you'd absolutely. Easily. If you weren't the same person, they're easily related. Exactly. Like, those guys have not brothers, they're cousins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and for, and I remember as much as your grandmother loved the, that movie, it really was Grandpa's movie. It was kind oh. of like, Grandpa loved anything that Bing was in, mm-hmm. any of the old musicals. Are you sure he wasn't actually Bing Crosby? Well, at some point in time, I kind of, you know, a ninja Grammy-ish kind of thing. Bob has blue eyes. He does have blue eyes, but you're not tall and you're too tall. That is true. I'm way taller than way those people. Way tall. <laughs> way, way tall. Yeah. Maybe a hybrid between dad and did dad Did dad have a secret love affair with Bing Crosby in the uh, early 80s and produce some kind of miracle baby that is me? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. No. But you never know. <laughs> I love my dad, but Bing could do way better. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, he got better. David Bowie. He, yes, so he did get he David Bowie. He could do way Bowie. better. He did. But I... 
it's funny that you say that it's Grandpa's movie because I think the Bing Crosby thing aside, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Because if you strip away the singing and the dancing, the film really is about war veterans Loyalty. coming oh, together. Absolutely. You know, their and CO, 10 years after. Yeah. Their CO wants to serve one last time and is denied. So out of the woodwork, these guys come. And that's all that it's, it's about. You know what? Loyalty. That's funny that you say that because... So I have vivid memories of watching it, but I had forgot 10, forgotten about that whole piece of it. And as soon as it came up on the battlefield, I started crying. I'm like, oh my God, we'll mm. follow the old boy. And it, it was just like, yeah, how did I miss this big piece of the movie? I just... Well, I think watching it as kids, we you don't see that. It's like, oh, look, there's a battle part. But mom's sitting there on the couch with us like, look, it's grandpa and we're singing. And you don't necessarily get the deeper meanings of the song. Yes. Well, you don't. And the impact is right down to the song Sisters. That is something yeah, my sisters and I have been singing since we were little, especially Aunt Pam. Yeah. So the, the the song Sisters was something that has always been part of trains. Our grandfather yeah. fellows was a brakeman and a conductor with the, the trains. Um, and that's how we got to St. Thomas at Christmas time. So I was little, but I grew up with that, with all the music, especially the music, mm-hmm. um, especially on Grandpa's side. But I, I, I think I was steeped in it. It was, you know... Um, yeah, I was born in 59, but all of that, the color, the feel, the texture, it's how grandma and grandpa dressed. It's how, you know, um, all of our ornaments and stuff that went on the tree. Excuse me, sorry, we just have... Uh, Tacos in the window. Tacos in the window. Just me a little Everything's bit. Everything's right. fine. <laughs> She's um, eyeballing and us. And speaking of ornaments... Oh. Yes. Mom brought a lovely collection of things that remind her of... White Christmas that we'll post photos of. Yes, we'll have a photo of this up. So you guys will have seen this by now on the Facebook page. So if you haven't, go to the Facebook page. Otherwise, none of this is going to make sense. So the ornament that I have with me is actually from your dad's Aunt Joanne. And it was a lovely gift. And it's a Wedgwood carved but it's that blue, that it's that technicolor. Technicolor, it's that creamy corduroy blue. Yeah, <laughs> and it is creamy, like and Bing's eyes. And then the ornament itself is is to me that's White Christmas. It's Santa going through the yeah the sky, you know. But there's something about it that just it feels like my dad's pants. Yeah, if that makes any sense, that that baggy yeah oh pants the suits that they the were suits wearing that they wore it, it, that is what I remember. Of well, my everything parents. is that. Even color had a weight, especially when you're looking at it in Technicolor, because we we obviously weren't there, but you have actual memories where we we look at the 50s through two ways, Mm -hmm. faded photos or Technicolor films. Absolutely. So there's really, that's the only way we can appreciate it. So to us, the 50s is so bright, the 40s and 50s, and Technicolor. You watched that series... um, that goes through all of the old Hollywood movies. Do you remember what it was called? Oh, oh yes. Um, yeah. There's like a three-parter, and it, it would yep. be on Gene, all the time. <clears throat> Gene Kelly is actually the. Um, we'll oh, that's up. entertainment. That's, that's entertainment. entertainment. Yeah, they'll be but, on at Christmas every year. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Marty's like, how do you know all these songs? I'm like, because on Sundays, Mom would put these movies on because they'd mm. be on TV, and we just heard it just infiltrated into our brains. So I love the Technicolor era. I love it. Well, it's also with something like with White Christmas, because you would, Jack, you'd mentioned that there's pieces that you, you wouldn't remember. Primarily, we watch this on TV. 
So mm. we are not only seeing edited versions, which we were talking about with Marty last night when we were watching Lethal Weapon. He's like, I've seen this movie like 50 times, but it was always on TV. So there's scenes I don't remember. So it's like getting to watch a new mm-hmm. movie. Like the shower booby scene? Yeah. Well, was Thankfully, <laughs> Logan was doing his friend's Lego and he never looked up. And yeah. I was like, don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but with something like White Christmas, because we'd be watching it on TV, we could also kind of get up and leave the room. That's right. And you'd come back in for the songs that you like. It's like the fir- the movie really kicks into gear until they get to the general's house. All the songs are great. We're moving the plot along. Yeah. And then we start to get a little bogged down. Like the minstrel show routine is cute. It's a good act because they're all singing and it's fun. But I think we have to deal with the elephant in the room before we go any further. Choreography. That's choreography. Oh, uh, we fast forwarded through it. Yeah, but that was that was for um, Danny Kay. But it was so that was because it was very but all exactly. But that was also modern dance was really um, yeah. breaking into. Uh, its own at that point in time. I get and it. Danny Kaye did that kind it of thing. Just, the he movie was... started to bog at that point, and the last, like, 45 minutes, <laughs> um, it was, they could have cut yeah. a lot out. I, I was surprised. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, it's... Having watched so much film from that era, I, I yeah. get why they didn't. I understand the structure, you know, because you're, you're, the movie's, like, two and a half hours long, but in 54, if you're going to the theater to see the new Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, you better get you're, you're going hours. to the show. Yep. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> so you're going to watch not just the story, but the dance numbers. Mm-hmm. Now. And they had intermission. They would have in a movie like this. And I, I remember intermission. And everyone would get up and go and get their popcorn and then come back. Mm-hmm. So that was just like going to the theater, live theater. Yeah, it's a little. <sighs> I, I can sit and watch it because I get the pacing, but choreography, I understand why they put it in, and but... Bob never skips through parts in a no. movie, and when I suggested it, he's like, do it. <laughs> do it, please. I just It's the one I cannot get behind. Yeah, you're right. It's not one of my more favorite no. ones on there, but... It's, the, it's strangely out of place. Mm-hmm. So... So let's talk about... The, the actors themselves, because I think there's some brilliant performances in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um... I forgot how comedic Danny Kaye is. And even in a serious scene like the opening, when he's winding up the music box and he's still kind of slapsticky, um, I love. But the scene that did it for me that I was like, wow. And being in theater and knowing how much you have to rehearse certain things. Yes. That scene in the dressing room, 10 years after the war, and they're... They're getting changed. They're arguing about the fact that Bing hasn't settled down. And the Danny Kay yes. is yeah. always plotting something, holding his arm, trying to get him to feel bad for him. But that scene is so intricately choreographed, which makes the audience feel like they operate as one, yep. which is brilliant. I think it's all said and done. It's two shots. Yeah. The There's that wide when they come in and it starts, it ebbs and flows because they're just getting undressed. And then they start tossing stuff back and forth where they're half looking at each other and putting it on hangers so and move back. And then, it, and then it slows down again. And then it picks back up again. And then I think they must have flubbed it, so they push into a close. But then they pull back. 
And that scene's like four or five minutes they're long. Dancing. But you never lose interest. They're, they're just dancing. Yes. Talking. That's what they're doing. Yeah. They're dancing. And you get a quite vulgar <laughs> shot of Bing's tidy whities I know. They, I think they made a mistake because at one point you could see him furiously trying to pull them down because yeah. they probably got wedged up because they're all baggy. He's supposed to be standing behind a trunk, but he's not. And you get a little view of the little Crosby's. Oh, my God. Oh, Crosby stills Nash right there. His upper thigh region. Yep. And he, you could almost oh, wow. see the look of panic on his face. And well, they and left he it was in? very straight-laced. Oh, yeah. Bing. Well, on the outside. He was yeah. very straight-laced or... Yeah, in front of it. As in long front as of he didn't have any Valencia oranges, so. Yeah. Well, and and that you mean like a bag of oranges? <laughs> he used to. He was a horribly violent man. No, yes. I know that. Yeah, that was a crude, crude joke. No, it's from Family Guy. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, they have Bing on, and he's like, uh, "Beat the kids with a sack of sweet Valencia oranges, Peter. Won't leave a bruise and let them know who's boss." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and then Peter says no, so Bing starts wailing on him with the bag of oranges. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just, that scene really spoke to me and drew me in again, because I remember the scene. Marty loved the high-waisted pants. Oh, my God, the suits. There's oh. material enough in one of their suits to fit both of them. Yeah. Yes. In a, in a tailored suit now. Yes, but they just look... And maybe, like, look, 18 of Verlin. But they yeah. look creamy <laughs> on them. Like, they, yeah. they look yeah. like, you know, like, they're dancers, that... that they just the look so they heavy. Yeah. Mm, the material was, but in a really nice way. And I remember. Flammable. Oh, yeah. It's all, it's just made of asbestos and mercury. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny, even as you're talking about it, I remember how my dad's suits felt when he was little, especially. It's not as, not the suit jacket so much as the pants. Well, they had there to. There was a weight to it. Yeah. It was, uh, that's funny. Um, the next scene that really did it for me, too, is. Obviously, sisters love the song, but yes. when the two of them come in, <laughs> and it's the, better. I like that version better. The uh, yeah, it's better than uh, Rosemary Clooney and Vera doing yeah. it. But at the end, when they actually start laughing because Danny Case keeps hitting Bing with the feathers over and over again, and they lose their mind, and people in the audience you can see are, are laughing. Having a grand time. See, that's love Uncle it. Stan and Grandpa. Yeah. That, that is the Christmas harmony. They would do anything to get a laugh, to be able to do an amazing song, but to sing harmony, that was Uncle Stan and, and your grandfather. That's for awesome. sure. Yeah. That's awesome. It's fun to see scenes in a film like from that era where they do stuff like that to crack each other up because everything had, even like sticky comedies from the area, mm-hmm. there was still a very staunch sense of propriety yes. in how they made the films. You could have the most outlandish situation, but the film itself was always still, the production was taken very seriously. And you can be as silly as you want, but you can tell it's a rehearsed, silly yeah. situation. <laughs> where they're starting off going, but you can just tell because Danny Kay gets more and more animated. It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him. And just whacking them harder and harder yeah. and Sisters? bumping them on the hip and Sisters? Yeah. <laughs> trying See, to get them to the go. That's the Hope and Crosby too. They used to do that a lot. Bob Hope used to okay everything in his power to make him crack up. Is what he. It's funny because yeah. yeah, you're right. We don't often see it in the older films. We watch sitcoms like Friends, and you can see people trying to hide their smiles and their laughs or biting the inside of their cheek because it's filmed in front of a live audience and it has that feel. Well, until you get to like the 70s and the rise of the the new sitcom and SNL and stuff where you're getting more of a live production on television where improv is coming in and it's an acceptable thing to do and it's not the end of the world if if you see somebody kind of take a cheeky turn away from the camera. You know, or into the 90s, like the Will Ferrell comedies and stuff, where it's all about them trying to bring each other down. 
Yeah. With with laughter. So no, it, it's fun to see it. It humanizes yes. a film like White Christmas that can feel very not sterile, but it's on such a pedestal. And it's like one of those things. It's like you take White Christmas now once a year, you put it yeah. in the player, and then you take it out and you put it back. That's and right. You don't it becomes touch a it. very treasured. It's yeah. it's an ornament. It's a it's a Christmas. Yeah, that's ornament. a great great way is. to describe it. I think we. I was pleasantly surprised that Marty liked it because he was like, "Okay, I'm probably gonna go to bed halfway through, maybe not even halfway." And <laughs> but was, it's the music, and he and he doesn't mm-hmm. like musicals, doesn't like dance numbers. He wasn't raised with that stuff. They didn't watch movies like that. But he watched it till the end, and he actually was like, this is pretty good. Because if you strip away the Christmas and everything else, the story the story is, is good. It's timeless. Sound. But Rosemary Clooney is also that kind of singer uh, who was who like Bing. She, mm-hmm. she could harmonize with anyone. Anne Murray's also somebody that can harmonize with absolutely any sound or any tone. But Rosemary Clooney and Bing Crosby, it's like the female version you know, the only other person, as far as I was concerned, that could have ever done that would have been Doris Day, because she had that kind of voice mm-hmm. that Carol that, Rod. Carol Rod is it brunette Doris Day? Is it brunette she Doris Day? Like <laughs> <laughs> I have always, always thought that she's very proper, <laughs> very reserved. She wears slacks, and I just thought that was oh, hilarious. Can you get her a has... big blue house dress that comes out like six feet out? Please get her to put Honest it on. To God, she, she is a pant wearing kind of lady. Murray bought for her like the whole Doris Day collection. There's she's got the CDs. She does. She's she's play. got like Carol Rod has. This is going to sound strange. Maybe she'll feel awkward about it. Um, she's got very lovely skin. Yes. And so her, like, flesh tone just reminds me of that Technicolor, like, <laughs> peaches and cream. Yes. That's right. I, Carol Rod in a 1950s Doors Day movie would be hilarious because she would just start kicking Doors in and go, no one's communicating here. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to sort this out. That's so funny because we're Lucy and Ethel. Everything we do yeah. is Lucy yeah, and Ethel. Yeah, I can see so that. That's too funny. Um, did you know... Did I? I don't know. Did I? You probably did, because I think you told us that Rosemary Clooney sang Verilyn's parts. Uh, you know what? This is a movie that I am absolutely steeped in, but it wasn't until I started pulling bits and pieces apart that I even learned that. The other is I also used to be shocked at how tiny Verilyn was. Well, she suffered from anorexia. Well, now when you look at it, absolutely. I knew many people like her. It's had the, anorexia. It's not the min because you can see how tiny she is, but she's usually quite covered through most of yeah. the movie. But there's the one I think it's the end of the minstrel show dance where it's just yes. her and uh, she's in a one buck teeth Billy is dancing. Dog face boy. His te- oh my god, his teeth are frightening. I kept worrying that he was going to bite her and she just snapped. <laughs> <laughs> but she's wearing like the silver onesie with her legs yes. out, and every time she does that high kick, it's like, ooh, I can see through it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. There was a clause in her contract that uh, every costume had to cover her neck, because I think the disease had really... See, and that's so sad. It is sad, because I felt bad, because we had watched it and through the years and said, oh, she's so skinny, and then I looked it up, and she did suffer from anorexia bulimia, which yes, is a serious... Is. And Rosemary Clooney, um, I know she battled alcoholism. They all did. Almost her entire life. But hers was about um, the studios trying to control her weight. Yeah. Same as Judy Garland. Often. Like just, you know, uh, the drug addictions that they bred was was really And that's the, that is the seedy underbelly of these movies. Well, that's the thing is, it's, 
if you do any investigation into the studio system era, yeah. you are you're probably going to be a little disgusted by what you find. And you have to kind of make a deal with yourself that you can, if you're going to participate in these films, you don't have to condone it, but it happened, and that's just the history of Hollywood. Well, the casting couch. It's a horrible place. Yeah. No, like, the fact that anyone is surprised, I'm horrified when the next thing comes out, but having some, even the modicum of historical information about Hollywood, there's no shock. That this has gone on. No, and, and it actually used to be way worse. We were raised yes. where mom told us about that. We knew the real story behind Judy Garland. We mm-hmm. knew that Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby were not gentle to their families. We knew there was a lot of alcoholism. And you didn't hide that. No. Nope. You told us. So it was something that we knew. Obviously things... I'm sure there's people like... Um, Bill Cosby that existed then that had... do If we knew now... We mm-hmm. wouldn't want to support their work either. But I think it's important to know and kind of admit that those things happen. Well, it's it's because that on one hand we're having, with especially into the streaming area era, the knowledge of old Hollywood is dying at an exponential rate. There, most people don't even know what real silent films looked like. Right. They just think of the Dan 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 the Carry On Gang. They don't know there was twenty plus years, oh, thirty Nosferatu. years of cinema. Nosferatu. And even the golden era of Hollywood is going away. Turn on your streaming services and find me a movie that isn't Casablanca that was made before 1960. Oh, I know. I want Turner Classic Movies. Unless you go on to Turner (laughs) Classic Movies. It's very sad. Because that used to be Saturday. At the same time, it's we need to learn about this stuff to celebrate the art and not the artist necessarily. But at the same time, the information and access to it is going away so quickly that... In 15 years, 20 years, history will unfortunately just wipe a lot of this out unless you're a hardcore film person. I don't think it will. As yeah. a historian, I think that the the knowledge is there. It will always be there. It's just what we do with it. Especially with the Me Too movement, we're now talking about it and understanding mm-hmm. it and learning from it, hopefully, slowly. Well, it's part of that weirdness to this, even what we're all talking about today. Because White Christmas had an image. Yep. Which is yes. what most people are fixated on. Saturday when evening you pose perfection. The, when you pull the curtain back, the the image um, behind the scene is not as beautiful as what you see. Well, and that was the fifties and sixties. Well, very much so. So, uh, and maybe I'm maybe I'm stepping ahead of myself. But when you think of the hypocrisy of what I heard when Black Christmas came this out, this is an excellent segue, Mom. That was I. That what kind of just right on right time. You transitioned the fuck out of that segue, Mom. But really, <laughs> when I think about it, talk about hypocrisy because what my experience in 1974 was still watching White Christmas, but the horrific emergence of this movie on the scene, especially for my mother was worse than Santa well, gets captured yes, by the Martians. When the movie opens with the C word, oh. I think <laughs> we're really transitioning oh. into something incredibly different. It is <laughs> It is a completely different experience. Now Black Christmas is is Garbage. famous Oh, I knew he was going to hate that. It's not to your taste. <laughs> I know, but there's I did it on purpose. For it. Black Christmas is famous for a lot of reasons. It's one of the first Christmas horror movies that really embraced it. It's Canadian. Bob Clark, 
one of ours. Canadian slasher. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm going to stab you. Sorry. It's also (laughs) one of the films that really popularized the POV, the first, uh, the perspective of the the killer moving along. Um, That started with a film called Peeping Tom, and then into the 70s with Bay of Blood, and then here and then Halloween. See, that's creepy. Broke that. It's always watching you. And that horrible ASMR garbage <laughs> so, still want to wipe my butt with it <laughs> oh Billy Billy was having trouble but it's it's a tough film to deal with because it's been so heavily imitated and what was cutting edge at the time is now such a tired trope from the POV to the killer's calling, from inside the house, get, get out. out! Like, at the time, though, that's that's brand new. Oh, now, it was terrifying. So you it caused had, a great deal of nightmares. Well, you had talked about the grandma's reaction. What was the reaction? Because this was not, like, just released in a theater in Times Square. This was a wide-release film at Christmas. It went Absolutely. out to theaters. How did, like, what was the public reaction? Because we're the year of... Texas Chainsaw Massacre's happened. Oh, yeah. Last House on the Left, Psycho. We're into the and New Hollywood with Mean Streets, Godfather, Exorcist. So the culture's changing. Yep. What was it like when this came out? Well, the culture was changing, but you see, the adults around me didn't have to pay attention to the Hollywood piece of it. What changed in the house was the Toronto, uh, it was filmed at I believe UFT. Um, I had an older sister who was just starting her life in Toronto. So you got to imagine there's Aunt Debbie. She's off now to be a nurse. And she's yeah, she wouldn't sharing. Be one of those screaming girl. She'd kick someone's ass. She she did, but you got to understand she's, Margot she's sharing in the movie. a great big old home with five other girls who yeah. are all nurses. So right. for I I really believe some of that when I can have that step back. But it's kind of like how I felt about your first Marilyn Manson poster. It's like on one side of me I'm like, it was okay. A sticker. But it was a sticker. <laughs> was it a sticker? It said his name <laughs> in eggshell like blue. Screaming. But on one side of me I want to be this, you know, I'm I'm okay, I'm oh. I'm hip, I'm I'm an okay ma, I've done all of that. And the other side, get the goddamn sticker off the wall. It's, it's our probably point. what your parents felt. Now, can you relay the story about you watching it with your father, please? <laughs> <laughs> The yeah, this hell is, is that? This is a notorious yeah. no, this is broadcast television. of this film on yes. TV. It was huge. So you were not allowed was, to watch it in the theaters. No, but a lot of it was beeped out. And it was one of those moments where your grandfather decided to do this against his wife's wishes. Because Ooh. there's no way grandma <laughs> would have ever. The fact that it was on television, we heard about. But yeah. she worked 311 at that point. So there was just he your was grandfather. He was. And it was on. So he's, well, let's, let's see what the hell this is all about. Now, before we get Stupid. into this story, Grandpa is also no, was also known for mistaking what films were actually about. Yep. Like when he went to see Blue Velvet. Is that what it was? No, Midnight Cowboy. Midnight, Midnight Cowboy. Cowboy, him and... Was it Lloyd Endicott? Lloyd Endicott. They were all in yeah. if you're from, If you're from Peterborough, oh Endicott Fuel, that is Lloyd Endicott. Yeah, and he and Dad were best of friends from wartime on, and they all traveled for the um, Air Force reunions, and they were going to see the, the newest cowboy movie, and they were very excited because they were huge cowboy movie fans. 
until about 15 minutes into the first scene. It's a homosexual scene. It's like, oh my God. Midnight Cowboy is about male prostitution. That's right. With John Voight and Dustin Hoffman. Yes. No, they were just horrified. So that's... That what, how Grandpa watched films. That's but, right. Pl- sorry, Stupid. I interrupted, but Stupid. please tell That's us. That's what he said throughout the whole thing. What the hell is Your this? experience was watching it with your father in your living room. Well, it really it really changed the, the whole idea. Because probably it was the second time I'd ever seen the movie at mm. that point. So the first time I'd seen the movie at a very impressionable age. At a, you know, at that point in time, I'm sure my mother was, my daughter is never going off to university. She's never going to stay in residence anywhere and disgusted by the whole thing. And, um, and in fear that my sister is going to be killed, murdered, and I'll never see her again. <laughs> because really, think about it. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the whole idea of the subterfuge with grandpa that he would do something that he just I couldn't believe that he would do that with me so it was a bonding moment for us but he was just disgusted through the whole thing with that this is stupid what the hell is he saying I can't hear it I can't hear it what's he saying and he was deaf then dad could never hear but um we eventually had to turn it off because it it took away its power watching it with my dad right like it took away its power because he just pointed out how stupid it was i could get on board with grandpa with that movie and i like the image you gave us of him with the newspaper (laughs) oh yeah it was slowly slowly lowering it because nobody can see us right exactly (laughs) so yeah no that's very very true that he he was watching the paper so shaking the paper and something had happened and of course he'd have to watch it a little bit it would have to come down just and he'd snap the paper and it'd go back. That's when newspapers actually had, you know, sheets of newspaper in it. So, uh, <laughs> they don't anymore. Well, it's funny because I, I saw this movie. I got, it was given to me. I think Adam Brand got it for me for my birthday when I was like 13 or 14. And I didn't like it the first time I saw it. I thought it was no. far too slow. I didn't get what was going on because at that time I'm watching Friday the 13th movies, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, and that's like just, Halloween, that's, I'm just sorry, those are Sesame Street two-minute loud, wonderful yep. horror movies. So to go back, even just like six years, like Halloween is 78. Just to go back four years to Black Christmas, it changes everything. So I didn't watch it again. I didn't give it a, I was one of those people like, ah, overrated, piece of junk, whatever. Bob Clark's done better work. And then sitting and watching it with you guys for prep, I loved it <laughs> this time. I loved We're not really so it. Canadian. Oh my god, I loved because oh, you it's, look it's at the it guy that, that did Porky's for God's yeah. sakes. So there's a serious <laughs> run of humor to it, like vulgar humor, even down to the when the dad comes to look for uh, his daughter's disappeared, the one with the bag over her head. And he closes the door, and there's just a big middle finger poster, and you know everyone's kind of vulgar and a little sleazy. And Margot Kidder is she, just oh, a she's trashy the delight. Only thing I loved about that movie because I'm like, yeah. finally, a woman who's not running around screaming her head off, not being able to deal with anything. That and the nursemaid or whoever the RA. Oh, that the, lived uh, in the frat house. The house mother or whatever. She's just they were drunk all the time. <laughs> like, can we not have a real depiction of women in college instead of like, I'm so women-y. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry, you're being a woman. Yeah. yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't get beyond Roxanne. Really, the third time watching it with you guys. Oh, it was Andrea uh, Martin. the word wizard or the word wizard. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that's Roxanne. Yeah, it is. Her it hair is. is the same. Yeah. She looks just like I, her. So let me tell you my problem with okay, it. Tell okay, tell Jack. 
Tell us how you really feel. Because I hated this movie. It was obvious. You, I you hated, were grandpa I was with the angry. newspaper. No, I was like, <laughs> this is the slowest piece of shit I have seen in a long time with yes, you. And I, I have opened my mind, but it was slow. Um, I didn't think the language was necessary, specifically because we were watching it with my 13-year-old, and I was not prepared for that. Um, yeah, I forgot all I that. Did, I hated the ending. It's like, okay, you're doing this. It, the killer's the boyfriend. Okay, clearly... Now we've lost our focus because is it the boyfriend? Okay, we're on mystery. But then the cops and everyone leave a sleeping person in the house. They don't investigate the whole house. What the hell? No, there There's no logic to the whole damn thing. We gotta, oh, we gotta get the police over there. Tell her to leave the house. And then they leave her in the house after giving her sleeping pills. <laughs> what the actual fuck? <laughs> Those there's some flaws so to the, it. The internal logic problems you have with this, yet you worship at the altar of Hallmark, which has the internal <laughs> logic of trying to fart on snowflakes and snow globe. You I, can't hit it. I don't worship them. I find a sense of joy. There was nothing joyous about Black Christmas. I don't know if that was pretty funny. No. But it does really represent the original Canadiana slasher films. That is yeah. like, I'm, as you're stabbing, I'm sorry, <laughs> apologizing for slashing. Mom's stabbing her right now. Yeah, I know. Just miming yeah. it. Sorry, you know, that kind of thing. But it was, it's pretty heady. Like the the content about a psychopath and all of that. Yeah, that I had was a poop huge. yesterday that was pretty heady too. <laughs> <laughs> no one puts that on the screen and calls it Canadiana. Well, it's you're also you're you're dealing with at the same time you've got this kind of slasher thing going on, which it's tough because you you can't separate the film from you know the forty plus years that's come after it. No, there was a time when there was nothing like this. The closest thing you could find to this was a little Italian movie from 71 or 72 that no one saw over here, really, you know, unless you lived on in New York, you'd go to 42nd Street and go and watch a cut version of Twitch of the Death Nerve. There was nothing like it because other movies had an ending. This had an ending. Billy survived. It's ambiguous. They mm-hmm. fucked up. They lost. The The authority <laughs> figures failed these people. I love the stunt. That's what it's face. about. <laughs> Author- it's for slasher movies, that becomes an important thing, is the authority figures fail. We're alone. Young people are alone to deal with these problems. And they kept putting it in the hands of the authority figures, and they failed them at every turn. So I like that, but, like, it's no, not a neat it wasn't done what, right. <laughs> Just write it off. <laughs> I mean, you mean the guy that made Baby Geniuses 1 and 2 got this wrong? But don't you think part of it was, part of it, the two characters in it that I never could, I never have liked Keir Delay. Sorry, I'm really sorry, Canada, but I've never liked Keir Delay. I have always found him. Keir he was the boyfriend. He was the good looking. Oh, he he's was gross. from uh, Space Odyssey. So yes. he had done Space Odyssey. Telling the woman she couldn't get an abortion? Exactly. Him. Or else? But or else what? <laughs> I know. But it's you got to remember, it's the time period it's as well. It's a bold statement to put abortion in a film like this. Yes, very much so. Think about it. Your grandmother. It was a slasher. It was about Christmas. It was about young women being attacked 
you who know, are stopped, drinking, who having are sex, drinking, smoking, smoking, abortion, and all of those things. The other person I could never bring myself to was the, um, and I'm sorry, I'm ashamed to say, the chick Romeo and Juliet. Oh, she was. I could never put. Why are you doing that? Because she's got pretty silky hair. No, it's kind of like we've got another movie that we have to squeeze out of them before the end of the year. You guys have Black Christmas. We're going to throw these two characters at you, fit them into the movie. That's how I've always felt about the two of them. Yeah, she's and it didn't wavy. dawn on me until I was watching it with you guys. It's like no, these. It's like when they um, get an author to do ten books. Yeah. Five of those books should never have been written. Like Outlander. Right? Like, they could have all been put into five like amazing Gene Alls, Shelters of Stone, <laughs> right? Mammoth but Hunters. Th- it's like they didn't Long know what to do to with Long Walk to Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Long Walk to We Know They're All Dead. Yeah. That's right. No, I totally agree with you. I think, aside from a couple casting choices, it just didn't fit, didn't work, didn't end. Um, I think if they hadn't had those two in it, it might have been a good movie. I get what you're saying. And this is the point of the show. It was the birthplace of these slasher films. Well, because Black Christmas was a direct inspiration on Halloween. And that changed everything. Everything. And how much of an influence is debated depending on whose interview you're reading. Some people say that Halloween was actually written as a sequel to Black Christmas. Some people say, no, they'd never heard of it. But it's you can't take away that importance because it is... It's the last stepping stone before horror cinema completely changed. So it's, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a stepping stone I want to throw through a window. <laughs> it was had to have been a hard thing to get made. I'm sure. And then. I can appreciate it. Really? I, I really can. Considering but. Canadian cinema in 1974. Well, actually, no. Um, that was kind of into the Weren't late 70s, more? early 80s was the... We, it's called Canucksploitation, and it was the tax shelter era, oh. where if you brought a film here, you basically paid no taxes on your money, and we gave you money. Like, it was an era where we pumped out a huge amount of horror and exploitation movies. You had an entire cottage industry in Quebec with David Cronenberg before he came to Toronto, and then you had tons of slasher movies were made here in the late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. because we had, the government got together and like, let's attract production. Well, the Toronto doubling for New York City still even now. Yep. Oh, it still does. Like, we had great crews, you know, great people involved, all the locations you needed, and the financial incentives. So Every Hallmark movie is filmed in Winnipeg. It's Winnipeg. Set in Vermont, Vermont, filmed in Winnipeg. Millbrook, Burnaby, BC. <laughs> Which I think BC. is interesting that it did see a boom. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Jack's just staring blank. He's like, like no, I want no. to say something else this nice, but I also kind of want to spit in your shoe. No, it's, yeah. it's like I understand where it belongs yeah. in the history of a film. I understand. I mean, you couldn't get two more different uh, Jackie's wiping her <laughs> ass with it, but two more opposite ends of the spectrum, which is an ex- pure example of what's going on today. True. You're either left or you're right. Yeah. Which and is, which is very little in between. You, you are right. They're both undisputed classics in their own right but I think something like White Christmas with maybe a bit of trimming is a much easier to enjoy film yes than something like Black Christmas you have to be you have to want well it's niche and come into that film like I'm going to learn something and enjoy this kind of stuff but even still I think White Christmas could be contentious because even when we talked to Logan Jack's 13 year old it was in black and white 
I don't do black and white. I'm like, but what? But I, I know a lot of people yeah. that are that way. That if you say, oh, when's, when's the movie from? Oh, 54. Get away from me. Why would I watch Or that? subtitled films. Yeah. That just don't do that. Like, guys, this is like White Christmas. This is, for God's sakes. Like, it's I a wouldn't wonderful make life that. you wouldn't watch last night because yeah. of that. Like, I would argue harder for It's a Wonderful Life than any of these other films. Yes. Because It's a Wonderful Life is just Frank Capra at his absolute mastercraft best. Mm-hmm. That film feels like it was made in 1975. Like, it's so... Oh, it's timeless. And the, the message Absolutely. is timeless. And how many films have been made about oh my that God. switch? Like, yep. Family Man with mm. Nicolas Cage. Like, they're just constantly playing on that trope. Megan um, Follows just did one. <laughs> What if? Candace Cameron just did Oh, one. yeah, we watched that horrible <laughs> she went back Hallmark in time. movie. She was from the 40s <laughs> nurse. I don't... Yeah. Okay, I've said, and I'm saying it once more on record, I am fucking retired from Hallmark. <laughs> you said till next year. Guess what? There is mysteries and New Year's Eve's Hallmark movies on... Oh, Hallmark. my God. There is non-Christmas Hallmark movies. No, there is not. There is. Ever. Again. It's called The Baking Cookie. The, the Baking the cookie. cookie. Cookie Murder. Cookie Cutter Christmas. There's, uh, is the cookie? No. no there's if the, the cookie's the murder, I'd watch that. Okay, so yeah. we did think that there's a couple times watching Hallmark movies that wouldn't it be awesome if all of a sudden it just turned into a really violent slasher film because it leaves you with that, like little piece of, ooh, this could go really bad, and it doesn't. So maybe, maybe, this needs to be the next. Someone just came up behind Candace Cameron and just smashed a fucking bag over her head and <laughs> fucking held it. It would have to be a In front of the bag. children. Oh, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. I just can't. She's just the worst. Oh, I know. DJ, I you're doing it. your father, dis- your disappointment to your father. Okay? Bob Saget? And I don't even know who her real father is. Like, look at, okay, whoever her real father is needs to reassess his his parenting because he turned out those two friggin' lunatics. Well, he's got to be from the same lunatic strain. Oh, my God. Fucking crap, I can't. Okay, we've gotten off on a tangent. I know, we have gone off on a tangent. Such a spun-off tangent. But it does represent, really, when you think about it, what's on face value and what's behind the scenes are two different things. And our tastes differ greatly. Yes. And Black Christmas is set in Bedford. I didn't notice that. Bedford what? Ma? Oh, Connecticut. No. What's famous? Bedford. Oh, Bedford Falls. Oh, my God. It's a wonderful life. Yeah. What? Yeah, the cop cars say Bedford Police. Sorry, I just did a mind blow. Wow. Yeah. I noticed that this time. like, Now that's really cool. It's kind of the neat little package that was tied up when White Christmas opened and whose name was on... The screen? The one who's in charge. Dean Yeager! <laughs> so there's this running joke in our house because my little guy is obsessed with Ghostbusters. And I'd watched it for years and years and years and didn't know who Dean Yeager was. Um, and I said, who's in charge in this house? And he turned and looked at me and said, Dean Yeager's in charge. Because Dean Yeager kicks the Ghostbusters out of the university, yeah. cuts their funding. So he was watching it so intricately. And when at three, at three, warms at three. my heart. So when Dean Yeager's name came across the screen, because he plays the general in White Christmas, Bob's like, oh my God, the universe is tying everything together in a neat little Christmas bow. Because <laughs> General Waverly is actually the, he is the, like, the, 
He's the general in charge. Pivot point. That's the right. fucking thing, lever. The lever. Wherever what, he wants to whatever go. Whatever word. Wherever he wants. My perspicacity is suffering. And he's actually in charge. So I wonder if we did a little diggy do, uh, we could <laughs> <laughs> diggy do. We can find out if Dan Aykroyd actually put that in there as a. Homage, much like the Bedford Falls police cars. You never know. I Sometimes. don't know. Dean Yeager played a lot of tough guys, though, I think. So that might be... Because he had that kind of tough guy face. Um, so that might be why he did it. It could have just been... But most of the movies I ever remember him in, he is a general. He in is charge. Uh, like the head of the French Foreign Legion. But it's, or I think it might actually just be a coincidence, because Dean Yeager is the actor's actual name. Yeah. The man in Ghostbusters, that's his title. It's like saying, hey, Dean Johnson, or Dean... Oh, yeah. Whatever. No, I get yeah, that. Yeah, but they so could have made that. He could have done know. it on purpose. You never know the influence this man has had. Mm. It's like uh, um, Get Smart. He didn't do a lot of movies after that, but he was, Don Adams was very much involved with the well, culture of acting, film, And if Dan Aykroyd was and, a fan. Yeah, you never know. It could be. You we could, pro- you could probably get him on the phone. That sounds like Just be a like, hey, show. Dan, I bought some Tarzan, vodka. we got him to call Sawyer. Oh, we die. This place is great! <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you should do that. Just buy a box too. of Crystal Head Vodka. I bet probably you could. call you to thank you. Yeah, I bet you could. Anyway, show up, dressed up. Oh my god. Okay. Anyway, we got we got a lot of things. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff going on. But no, it's been there was it was fun to look at these two because I hadn't we hadn't, I hadn't watched Black Christmas in so many years, but White Christmas is such it's well it, it's so untouchable. It's mm-hmm. the star on top of the Christmas tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's you it's one of the Christmas specials we kind of build up to. You know, we start with with the Ernests and the Rankin and Bass and the Night Before Christmas <laughs> and all that stuff. could not grab on to. <laughs> oh. uh, what is it called again? I always forget. Santa Claus is Coming Santa to Town. Claus oh, coming I to know, town. but that's a little bit of a twisted. Yeah. I mean, really, when you get to that one, the Burger Meister Meister Burger, that was... If you sit on my lap today, yeah, I know, it was a very different the price you pay. Especially because back then, Mickey Rooney was still charming. Yes. He's not like... Fred Astaire. Even in the was, 80s, yeah. when we're watching this, looking at Mickey Rooney is like, don't leave the kids alone with him. <laughs> yeah. Like, just three feet five of Jack Daniels and anger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what I have learned this Christmas, and I'm so glad that you were here, because we haven't spent a Christmas together like this in years where we've like the whole lead up is that we have been showing the family all of these things Marty tried with his um, poo poo and pee poo <laughs> save Christmas Baxter and buttons yeah. or freaking freaking frack or he I tried to it didn't stand the test of time but we did give Marty a movie because they didn't watch Christmas movies the way we did oh. so he's been watching them and he's been loving them too mm-hmm. but we have been able to give the kids that Christmas Okay, well then here. Before we wrap out then, let's do a let's do a vote. What is you have one Desert Island Christmas movie and or special. Mm. So it can be TV or movie. What is your one Desert Island one? choice? One, one Desert Island. Only that one? becomes the one you get to watch at Christmas on the Desert Island. Elf. Bold mm. statement. Mm. I'm going to say a collection of Bob Hope variety shows at Christmas. <laughs> you can't. You have to pick one. one. I don't want to pick one. Look at who you're talking to. Yep. Okay. Wait a minute. Give I her have to some pick time. One. You go. Scrooged. Muppet. Scrooged. We never watched that this year. 
Scrooged. We did not watch no, Scrooged. No, we did not. We missed. I don't like Scrooged. I love, I love Scrooged. That bitch hit it's me with awesome. a toaster. Yeah. <laughs> I love a girl with spirit. Yeah. No, I love that. Uh, my, I know yours. My desert island choice is obvious for anyone that knows me, and it's Muppets Family it's Christmas. It's so beautiful, that one. Yeah. It's the Avengers of the Muppet Universe. You get everybody you want. The songs are beautiful. Yeah. The story's That's hilarious. Can everyone I, gets one moment to shine. Muppet Christmas I Carol, just I say... Of all of the movies you ever showed us, and you pick Scrooged as your desert island movie. Did you panic? I don't actually I know you. I did because we <laughs> not White her, Christmas. We brought no, her. On. I know, but I love White. I love White Christmas, but you really put a, a terrible conundrum in front Christmas of me. Christmas Vacation, I, Rudolph, Frosty, no, Ernest, nothing. Scrooge, Scrooge, Bill Murray. Christmas Vacation might come in second for me because. Yeah. I laughed my ass off so hard the other night watching it. It just, it never. You serious, Clark? Serious, <laughs> <Sure>, Clark? <laughs> <laughs> never stops. The, the best jokes in that film stay hilarious. Like when he's talking about the metal plate in his head. How do you get changed to the plastic one? Because every time Cat the revved up microwave, I pissed my pants and forget who I was. <laughs> but you have to admit, there's those iconic lines in Scrooged. So there's something, There's it's yeah. that 80s. What I want to be stuck on a desert island with is 80s Christmas mu- movies. How's that? Why did we have her on as a guest? Because <laughs> oh, no. like Christmas and it's our Christmas it's obsession is her fault. That she was like, is. no, fuck you, Scrooge. No. <laughs> White Christmas in terms of a luscious, lovely, make you feel really good. Yeah. Absolutely hands okay, down my okay. The seagulls ate my feet this morning. <laughs> better put on Scrooge so I feel better. There's too many. That movie always creeped me out and that's it's the problem. Creepy. I have. It's dark and dank and it, you okay. I'm just my whole universe is cracking apart and I'm falling in. Would you say you might be slinking out of your chair? Yeah. <laughs> Don't <laughs> um but yeah. no, other than the fact that obviously a pod version of our mother has come oh, to do on. the show. <laughs> It's <laughs> getting out of control. Yeah, but you really threw me. You know, some might be on a desert island with forever. Bill Murray. Bill Murray. It'd be awful to be stuck on a desert island with. <laughs> He's pretty meaty now. You could probably eat him. Yeah, I'd, I'd eat him. Weird. Okay. Um, <laughs> He's gamey. Gamey? He's tough. We know this was, this was <laughs> getting out of control. Reel it in, reel it in. This was That's a great. Okay. Now let's talk about Jesus. I it was his my birthday. Ah, oh, come on. What would Jesus do? Stop teasing yeah, your mother. Apparently, he'd eat Bill Murray yeah. <laughs> on a desert island. Let's reel it in, folks. Well, that was fun. That, that was, was fun. It was fun. I, we watched. Uh, more Christmas stuff this year than I've watched yes, in, in a years, long time. In years. I got all of my Christmas horror watching in. Uh, marathoning all five Silent Night, Deadly Nights was quite an achievement. I was proud of, proud of myself about that. You do you know what you can do with Jack. that 12 hours of your life? Watch Silent Night, Deadly Night, one through five. There you go. I even got to watch Night of the Comet in there, so I was pleased with that. We watched Krampus with the boys. so Not the little one. No, the other two. Um no. Yeah, I think overall, in terms of Christmas um, entertainment, we did it. We did it right. Yeah. Other than the fucking Hallmark movies. Oh, no. Oh, okay. I you asked to watch a Hallmark That's movie because you night. start with something like Snowed in Christmas, and it's like, all of these are going to be just as fucked no. and amazing. We and found then another the next one. four were just like, Christmas around the I'd corner. rather you be loved. at the dentist. That's, that's how Hallmark works. for Christmas? 
That's you good. have to watch ten, and maybe two are good. And you're so thankful that two of them are good. Don't look at me like that. Do you know the pulpy shit that you watch <laughs> on a daily? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up, folks. Bring yeah. it into the new year. Bring it into the new year. <laughs> so coming into uh, the new year, because we won't be talking to you guys until then, there are actually going to be some changes uh, coming change to, to 14 months apart mm-hmm. uh, because there has been one monstrous change in all of our lives. Jack, why don't you tell us what has changed for you? You're now a man. I. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Oh I was going to say Bob's pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna be a soccer player. (laughs) No, I have now been hired full time to teach at Fleming College, so I will be be transitioning to that job in the new year. And as such, my responsibilities are going to obviously intensify. Mm -hmm. And Bob and I talked about the direction of this show, and he has some ideas um, about where he wants it to go. So we've decided that um, it's going to change a little bit. Yeah. Uh, 14 months apart is still going to be hopefully a monthly reoccurring thing because it works. Yes. Um, but Bob has some other areas he wants to explore um, that 14 months apart is not Yeah, so so fitting. what's, what's going to happen is 14 months apart is going to be absorbed into a new show that's going to be called the Steal My Name Podcast. So if you know me, my production company that I do everything under is called Steal My Name Productions. So it's still going to be focused on movies and TV and music and books, but it's going to go to a weekly show, so you're going to get more of it. But uh, 14 Months Apart will continue on a monthly-ish basis. Yep. So you're still going to get to hear Jack, but if you're if you're a fan of the Jack part of this whole thing, three episodes a month you're probably not going to be stoked on. <laughs> um, but for those other three weeks, uh, we're go- I'm going to be focusing on at least a movie or two each week, and I'm going to be beginning and maintaining a little segment where I'm going to be rewatching and talking about Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. So it's going to get pretty... Ne- oh, shut up, Mom. <laughs> you just told Mom to shut Damn up. Damn right I did. She sassed in DS9. Uh, <laughs> no, I think this is a great yeah. opportunity it's gonna get a for little you nerdier. to explore some niche yeah. while maintaining the awesomeness that is me. Yes. We have some exciting <laughs> plans. Yep. 14 months apart, we've got... Uh, well, now, like, the next six months of yeah. ideas, um, maybe a little video game play thrown in there. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, it's If you're more of a fan of kind of deep dive digging into films and getting into more of a, I don't want to say anal retentive analysis, but I'll say anal retentive analysis of the film, then I think you're going to enjoy what I'm going to be doing for my three episodes uh, a month. And the 14 months apart, as you know, it is going to stay exactly the same. You. Uh, it's just it won't be two years often, so it'll be more special when you get it. Aww. Just like me, yeah. my special babies. <laughs> so yeah, we hope you guys will stick with us for that. Uh, we're all excited about the about the new change, um, but it will be if you love the sound of my voice, get ready because you're about to get a lot of it. It's like frozen butter on corduroy. I <laughs> <laughs> melt on you over time. Actually, everyone who's listened to the podcast has said Bob has a great radio voice. He yeah. always has. So it's uh, it'll, it'll be a challenge. It's something I've wanted to do for a while. Doing a solo show is hard, but uh, man, any anxiety medicine is just a shit. <laughs> just great stuff. Get so, it done. Yeah. Feeling a lot more confident in that. So it should be fun. So we want to thank you guys very much for joining us for our Christmas content. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And Merry Christmas. We, a big thank you to our mom. 
Thank you for having me on yes. your show. The reason Mom. for the show. We literally the could not do the, the show without her. <laughs> and the reason that we have our season the way we have it. Yes. So again, you guys can find us on Facebook at 14 Months Apart. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search 14 Months Apart Podcast. And remember, a lot can change in 14 months. And it did. And remember, a lot can... <laughs> I need to do the outro, guys. <laughs> Sorry. So we're not supposed to say anything about that. <laughs>